ואומנם, ואומנם כבר ידעת. ואומנם, ואומנם כבר ידעת. שהנרצה יותר בעבודת הבורא יתברך שמו. ואומנם, ואומנם כבר ידעת. ואומנם, ואומנם כבר ידעת. שהנרצה יותר בעבודת הבורא יתברך שמו. וחפץ הלב ותשוקת הנשמה וחפץ הלב ותשוקת הנשמה, ותשוקת, ותשוקת הנשמה. Hey everyone, good evening. Uh, thank you for joining uh, today's class, which was supposed to be Monday night's class, which has been giving now at a Wednesday evening, uh, is dedicated by Josette Flicker. This is in honor of her father and mother's yard site, both in the month of Ador. Father's name is Elio Ben Yaakov. And uh, her mother's name is Flora Sara Bas Avram. They should both have a tremendous alias neshama to the greatest, greatest, greatest of heights. And they should, as a Sashem, return here very quickly where all neshamas belong already. Because this is where it's the ultimate uh, place for everybody to be is down here in this world, not up there in the heavens above. So their yard sites are on the 18th and on the 28th of Adar. May the Neshama have a very great Aliyah. And may they channel lots of brachas to you, to your family, for all that you need, all that you want, in the material and in the spiritual. Thank you. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that this class was supposed to be on Monday night. Now the problem happened on Monday night was I experienced a little bit writer's block. Or I guess that's the term. Uh, a clogged, uh, I don't want to say in Yiddish, if I stopped the cup, but that's what it was. I just couldn't, uh, maybe I just had this deep tiredness in my head and I couldn't pull it together. So when a few people came here on Monday night uh, to attend this year, I sat and I didn't record. We just learned something. And it's interesting how everything is Bashgacha Pratis. What we learned on Monday night, which was not meant to be the class at all, it was just I grabbed the safer and just spontaneously taught 
directed me back to get a much deeper understanding of what initially I wanted to teach on Monday. And it made the whole, the whole idea that I hopefully can convey today so much richer, deeper, and truly unbelievable. So, let's get to it. The Sefer I actually learned and studied on Monday night was the, Sefer, the holy book of B'nai Yisachar. And that's from the great saintly Dineve Rebbe, the B'nai Yisachar, whose teachings are really unbelievable. We learned regarding Kisisa Purim. And I'm going to share some thoughts from the B'nai Yisachar that will enhance tremendously um, the, the, uh, the idea that I wanted to teach tonight. Uh, what I'm teaching tonight is from a talk that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave on the eight, on the, um, in the year 5759, Tafsh, 49, Tafshin Memtes, on And But the richness and the depth of what uh, the Rebbe was saying became clear to me only after I saw what the Bnei Yisachar says. So this is, um, I'm very excited about that. Okay, so let's see where this will all lead us. So the opening verse of this week's in the parsha is Parsha's Kisisa, and the Abishter commands Moshe Rabbeinu, Kisisa Suresh Bnei Yisrael. When you're going to lift the heads of the Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, um, when you're going to take a head count, Venastu Ish Kaifer so everybody should give tzedakah. They're all giving a, a, a giving of a coin, which was the value, it's a coin, which is a half of a shekel. And then later, this becomes really a mitzvah that's a yearly donation that every Jew is obligated to give when the Beis HaMikdash was standing. Today's days when we yet don't see yet the Beis HaMikdash, we still read the special reading. In addition to this Shabbos, which is Parshas Kisisa, I think next week Shabbos is going to be Shabbos Shkalim, which will read Kisisa over again the beginning of it. In any case, so this class is actually good for this week, and it's also good for next week. It's good for all year long, because it's just an amazing, amazing depth and idea that's very, very rich. So it's a mitzvah for every Jew to give yearly a contribution from the Machtes HaShekel. Generally, the yearly one, they would buy karbonos, the sacrifices that were belonged to the communal, communal sacrifices, everybody had to be partners in it. And the one that's actually speaking about in the beginning of Parshas Kisisa, they used that silver to melt and to make, they used it in the construction of the, temp, in the, of the tabernacle of the Mishkan in making the Adonim, the bottom sockets, the foundation of the entire Mishkan. The interesting thing is that the Parsha begins with Kisisa. Simply it means when you will take a head count. But the literal meaning of the word Kisisa means when you will lift their heads. So the Gemara tells us that we should that it actually, it's not a play on words, it actually means that. The Gemara says in Masechtas Baba Basra, as I'm quoting to you now, Daf Yud, Amar Rabavu, Rabavu says, Amar Moshe Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Moshe says in front of God, Ribayin Shalai, the master of the world, Bama Tarem Keren Yisrael, how will the Jewish people's heads be lifted up? Amar Loi, Hashem said to him, Bikisisa, with Kisisa. Through the Parsha of Kisisa. So Moshe is asking God, how will the Jewish people's heads be lifted up? And Hashem says, with Kisisa. 
Rashi says, what does he mean with kisisa? In Bas if you want to lift their heads, Bahagba raised up high, Kachmahem Take from them tzedakah. Kofar and atonement, have them give tzedakah. And that's going to be lifting their heads. So when we stop over here right away and we say, when did Moshe Rabbeinu actually, when is Parshas Kisisa? So Parshas Kisisa comes out in a, this time of the year, but it's in the Torah, it's right after the previous Torah portions. What are the previous Torah portions? We're not dealing with the Jewish people in an, in an enslaved state in Egypt when they're in a very darkened state oppressed, beaten uh, souls are clogged and suppressed we're not talking about that we're talking about immediately after the Jewish people are in the highest possible state that can be why? they received the Torah they, they were taken out of Egypt they came to Har Sinai they were given the Torah and not only that, in the last parshish, we also read that they were given truma, which means that they, the idea to build the mishkan and tetzave. So we're talking about they're so elevated and they're so high, we can't imagine such heights. So what is Moshe Rabbeinu asking now? How do you raise their head? It seems to imply that parshas kisisa is an elevation even to those that are elevated. The Jewish people are already in a high level. First of all, the very idea that the Torah says, Kisisa Esroish Pnei Yisrael. You're lifting the heads of the Jewish people. The head of a person is the upper part of the person. And it implies that every Jew has a Yiddish cup, has a Jewish head. That means he has a head on his shoulders. And when the Torah refers to a head, it doesn't mean, you know, a head to play soccer. It means a head to perceive Hashem. A head that studies Torah, or else it's not called a head. A holy, godly, Jewish head. And yet we're saying that through the head, through kisisa, through giving a kofar to tzedakah, whatever, you're now going to lift their heads higher. The head is going to be lifted. Gewalt. So the, the question over here is, what's the significance of the mitzvah that we're, that we're, of this particular parsha that is causing an elevation to the Jewish people after they are in a super elevated state. So, the simple answer could be that I am withholding information. What's the information that you might argue I'm withholding? The Kisisa came after the story of the golden calf. Even though in the Torah, the story of the golden calf is related later in the Parsha, this week's Parsha, Parsha's Kisisa. But in truth, it happened before the Mishkan. And, and this Kisisa then over here is in it, like Rashi says. So the Kisisa over here is an entombment of the Mishkan. Ah, so then we can argue the Moshe Rabbeinu's question to God, Hashem, how can I lift the Jewish people's head? That's after the Jewish people fell down and got a Gesundte Zetz, after they fell down and their heads, and they, and they sinned. They had just fallen and did the gravest sin ever, the tremendous horrible sin of the chait of the eagle, and, and which we know is something that we're still paying for until, until the very, very last payment that we make. Every, every bit of tzaris, every bit of problems that come to the Jewish people is still on the, on the account of the eagle, so it's just a severe sin. So Moshe Rabbeinu is asking, how can I lift them up after their sin? 
That's true, and it does say so in some places. Problem is, in the Gemara, there doesn't seem to be any mention. The Gemara does not bring this statement that Moshe Rabbeinu said to God, how can I lift their heads of the Jewish people, and any connection to the Chet Egel. The Gemara says, it seems to imply that the Kisisa is a, 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 a just an order. Moshe Rabbeinu is asking Hashem, unrelated to the fall of the, of the golden calf, how can I lift the Jewish people's heads? And that's also true if you're reading Pshutishal Mikra, meaning simple Pasuk, and you're learning the Chumash, and you get to Kisisa, and it's after Parshas Yisroi, after Parshas Mishpatim, when the Yidin say Nasa Venishma, after Truma Tetzave, you don't know anything about an eagle. You don't know anything about a golden calf. Later you're going to learn about the golden calf. And over immediately you're reading Kisisa, and you're wondering who has to be lifted? They're so high. It's, 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 it's unimaginable how high they are. And so, so what's the lifting now of the heads of the Jewish people after all of this? So that needs to be understood. We also need to understand what's, what's Hashem's answer. Hashem says to Moshe with Kisisa, which means with the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. What's Kisisa? Rashi says, it's through the, the Jewish people giving tzedakah. And here's the question. Charity is one of the mitzvahs of the Torah. So in a sense, it shouldn't stand out from all the other mitzvahs that there is in the Torah. When we stood at Har Sinai, we got the Ten Commandments, which were the foundation for another 603 commandments. And then Pashas Mishpatim gives us a whole other bunch of commandments. So again, why is this mitzvah more than all the others? Especially if we're thinking about tzedakah, it doesn't seem to be tremendous, novel, great, godly action that should make the Jewish people so high, so spectacularly high. Charity is not a novelty of Judaism. You know, you're talking about paraduma, the red heifer is a novelty of Judaism. The fringes on the corner of the garments, the tzitzis, a novelty of, of, of Judaism. Straps that we wear, the tefillin that we wear on our heads, a novelty of Judaism. There's a lot of things that are novel. It's, it's, it's charity. Charity is, first of all, it's existed in the world before Matan Torah, way before. Avram Avinu has already given tzedakah. The Pasuk says that Lamanash Yitzavez Banov, he will command his children, Lasse tzedakah v'chesed. Tzedakah Mishpat, to do tzedakah and Mishpat. So by Avram Avinu, it already mentions even Primatan Torah, the mitzvah of tzedakah. And then it's not only to the Jewish people. Even a Ben Noach is either commanded to give tzedakah or it's expected for a Ben Noach. A Ben Noach means a Gentile to give tzedakah. Where do we find that? The people of Sodom were punished because they didn't give tzedakah. So it says in uh, in um, in Yechezkel. Yechezkel chapter twenty uh, sixteen pasuk memtes. It says v'yad oni ve'ev yoyin la'yechzika. It's a pasuk. It says because they did not strengthen the heart, the, the hands of a poor man and those that are destitute. So the mitzvah of tzedakah is an old mitzvah. It's expected even from a Gentile. Take it even further than that. 
to a certain degree, giving charity, which means giving something to someone who is lacking, is so embedded in the nature of the world. As we said, it's expected from a Gentile, but even more, not even in humans. It even exists to a certain degree by animals. You see that animals do acts of charity. What is the act of charity? The one that has gives to the one that's less fortunate. Out of compassion. Animals share with their children. That's number one. That's a charity. You see the giving. Sometimes you even see animals do act of charity to other animals that are not their immediate family. Besides, it says the raven, that's achzari. That is, that is a, the, the, the raven is a, is a cruel bird. So tzedakah is so fundamental to creation. It's part of the world. You don't have to be a very spiritual, godly human being. Basic, basic decency and basic human logic dictate and calls for those that are have should share with those that are less fortunate. And that's the case if this is so basic and intrinsic to the world. And here we're talking about a Jewish people that the Abishter had already selected them by Matan Torah. You have elevated us from all the languages, from all the tongues, from all the people. You've selected us, you've chosen us from all the nations. So in what sense are we saying, oh, that the Jewish people, after they've been elevated, and after they've been given all these godly commandments that they can do and no one else can do. The, the Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, above all those elevations, let's elevate you even more, you'll give tzedakah. And it's not like they're giving who knows what. They're giving a half a shekel. It's a little bit amount of money. Not a lot. The Marsha seems to be troubled by this question. And the Marsha, great commentator on the, on the Talmud, says that the reason why this giving of tzedakah elevated the Jews even higher, because this giving of tzedakah was for a specific purpose. It was for the purpose of building the Mishkan. And since it was for the purpose of building the Mishkan, when they made the Mishkan, which is the first home for God, the fact that God came down to dwell amongst the Jewish people, that is far superior than, um, than, than uh, all the greatnesses they had till now. Okay, they had Har Sinai, Hashem get, it, nothing can compete from the fact that Hashem has chosen to live amongst them. And how is it going to be done? Through giving of the tzedakah. So according to the marshal would come out, it's not tzedakah per se, that's, that is the, the, uh, the, what, what, what made the Kisisa happen. It's the purpose of this particular tzedakah, that through this tzedakah, this appeal, this fundraiser, they built a mishkan. Okay, that's good. The problem, however, is the Gemara makes no mention of that. And the Gemara seems to apply the concept of Bametarim Karnish, so how can you raise... The Moshe says Hashem, and, the, and especially the way Rashi words it, it seems like by telling them to give tzedakah, and it's not specifying only that tzedakah. The Gemara seems to be reading it as a general, a general inspiration to give tzedakah. So therefore, we have to look in a little deeper and try to figure this out.
By the way, I mentioned earlier the Bnei Yisachar, you know, and I'm asking the question about how elevated the Jewish people are. And yet, this is an elevation above elevation. So in the, in the, in the piece that I, I actually taught Monday night, there's something that enhances the question from a more mystical, spiritual place. Um, but we know that the, when the Jewish people were by Matan Torah, um, we, it wasn't just that we were chosen to be Hashem's servants, but it was actually a marriage between Hashem and the Jewish people. And that marriage, just like in every halachic marriage, every Jewish marriage, there's two parts to a marriage. There is the, the first stage of a marriage called erosin. Erosin is when a, a man betroths a woman. So by giving her the ring, she becomes mekudeshes. Technically, they're a husband and a wife. But then comes the second stage of marriage. They go under the chuppah, and that stage is called the nisuyan. Once they go under the chuppah, they're permitted to live together as husband and wife. Before that, they're halachically married, but they're not all to live together. So it's phase two. Today's days, we do them both at the same time. In the days of past, it used to be done with uh, a period of time in between the two. So when the Jewish people are, are uh, by Har Sinai, Hashem really did stage number one, which is He betrothed us. The complete marriage is going to happen um, and by the, when Mashiach will come. Now it's Varastich Lili Oilam. The Jewish people became Arusa. We became betrothed to God. But when Mashiach will come, it's going to be the Yadatas Hashem. You're going to know Hashem. That's the in, intimacy that's going to happen in the future. So he says something really phenomenal. He says it's, it's actually expressed in the name Yisrael. When you take a look at it, he says, what's the difference between the Kedushin and the Nesuyan? Between the first stage of marriage and the second stage of marriage. The Kedushin, the, at the time of the Kedushin, and why does it have to come in two stages? So he brings from the Arizal that at the time of the Kedushin, the betrothal, the husband is projecting to the wife an Ur Makif, an encompassing light. And then by the Nesuyan, and then later by the, by the uh, after the Chuppah, when they have an intimacy, husband and wife are, 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 are with each other, then the man is giving his wife what Arizal says, besides the physical intimacy, there is a, a transmission of the Ur Pnimi, of his internal light of his Neshama, or his internal essence of his soul, is being transmitted in a way that is absorbed uh, by his wife. So they're becoming unified both with their encompassing energies and they're becoming unified also with an internalized unity. So he says the encompassing, and that's why by the chuppah, the, 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 there is a makif, the kala goes around the chas, but then the chasin gives the kala. First of all, the chuppah is a makif, is an encompassing. But also the chasen gives the kala a ring, and the ring surrounds her. That's the idea of the ur makif. He says the, the makifim of this unity between the Jews and, and between Hashem and the Jewish people. Uh, by Harsina, we also know it was a makif, there was a chuppah, Hashem held a mountain over her head. He says it's hinted to in the name Yisrael. The outer le- letters of the name Yisrael is the letter Li. Lamed Yud. Lamed Yud. He says, Lamed is the tallest letter, and Yud is the smallest letter. 
So Lamed is indicative of God who is the tallest one. He's above all everything. He's higher and higher and above everybody. Yud is represent, representing his tiny little wife. The Jewish people, by us it says, You're less than all the nations. And the reason why in the word Yisrael, the Lamed and the Yud are the outer layers is because they represent a Makif Tegelite, which is on the outside. So the Lamed of the Yud of our Yichud is in the outside of the name Yisrael. The Orpnimi, the internal light, which eventually is only going to be revealed, as we said earlier, when Mashiach will come, is represented in the, hidden, in the inner letters in the name Yisrael, um, al, which is the letters Rosh, head. Aleph, Resh, Shin. Uh, Yisrael is letters Li, Rosh, to me, ahead. Or he says, you take the letters Aleph, uh, um, Resh, Aleph, Shin, you rearrange, and you get the word Asher. So this, this, this word represents the internal unity. Why? He says, an internal unity, the unification of Yidin and Hashem, is if you take a look at, the, at, a, at a man's limbs, but when, when a husband and wife are, are, are intimate, so they're getting together. So there's a unity of the man and the woman. As the Pasuk says, they become one flesh, they become one entity. A man, a, a man has 248 limbs. A woman, the Gemara says, has an extra four, 252. And according to Rabbi Akiva, there is a fifth one. Gemara says, two doors, two hinges, and a key. Whatever. It's a Gemara. So if you add that up, it's 253. 248 and 253, you add them together, it's 501. So it's the exact gematria of the word Asher or Rosh. So Rosh, and that's the middle, that's the Yichud Pnimi that's taking place. So he says, that's why by Matan Torah, it's interesting, Hashem keeps on saying to the Jewish people, V'atam tiyam li, you're going to be to me, Mamlechas, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbein, you should tell the Jewish people, V'atam tiyam li, you're going to be to me, Mamlechas koanim v'goy kodesh. Li, because at this point, all we're having is the Li, the Lamed and the Yud, the Ur Makif unity that's happening by Matan Torah. But internalizing it is only going to happen when Mashiach comes. And that's why after Hashem completes telling Moshe Rabbeinu what to tell the Jewish people, He says, So He explains, and this is future. What, what did Bechal have to Hashem say? These are the words you should speak to the Jewish people. He just told them what it is. What does He have to repeat a second time? These are the words you should speak to the Jewish people. But the meaning is, these are the words, Asher Tadaber, that you will eventually speak. And what will you speak? Asher, which is the 501, which is the Rosh. That you will speak, Elbenei Yisrael, in order for it to be complete Yisrael, which is going to be when Mashiach will come. In any case, which I thought was Gavaldic, but in any case, according to this, we can understand. By Matan Torah, we've been elevated into such a unity with God in a manner of Lirosh, which just seems to be perfect unity, a oneness. And now we're saying, Kisi says, Rosh B'nai Yisrael. There's B'nai Yisrael already. And Kisi says, Rosh, elevating their heads higher and deeper, even after Matan Torah. So what is the highest, highest elevation that's possible? And why does it come through the giving of tzedakah? So it must be, that what is being introduced in Parsha's Kisisa 
is not the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. By the way, the mitzvah of tzedakah is to a certain degree already mentioned even in the mitzvahs that were given to us immediately after the giving of the Torah, you have Pashas Mishpatim. So you don't have the mitzvah of giving tzedakah, but you have the mitzvah of giving a loan. In Kesef Talves Ami, which is if you give a loan to someone, which we know is a chesed, and in many ways the chesed of giving a loan is a higher tzedakah even than giving tzedakah. So it's not a chiddush of parshas kisisa, it's not a novelty of the parsha. But we have to say that in this parsha, there is something here that is being given that is so deep and so high that, that, that notwithstanding already having accepted Torah and mitzvahs on the highest level possible and all the achievements, we're going even beyond that with this mitzvah of Parshas Kisisa. It's a unique way of giving tzedakah that Hashem is introducing. And from tzedakah, it will spread into all the mitzvahs. In other words, until Parshas Kisisa, we have observance. And you can have many levels of this observance. But the one level of observance that, that, is, that we're going to speak about now wasn't possible until Parshas Kisisa. In Parshas Kisisa, we are experiencing an observance upgrade. It's expressing itself in the mitzvah of tzedakah. That's its first, it's initiated, let's say, by God in the mitzvah of tzedakah in Kisisa. And then from here, it manifests in all of Yiddishkeit and in all of observance of all of Torah, Torah mitzvahs. And what we're really we're talking about is the motive behind our Torah mitzvahs. Because we know there's different layers of motive. Here, it's the highest, 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 impossible any higher motive than this. As we're going to see, it's a performance of mitzvahs that's beyond, beyond. To understand this, we'll introduce another thing, another, another medrash. It's a, it's a, it's a medrash tanchuma, it's a Yerushalmi, uh, medrash tanchuma in two places, uh, Yerushalmi, Rashi brings it, that when the Ebershter said Moshe Rabbeinu what to give by by um, by Machzor Sashekel, Hashem points and Hashem, you know, it says Hashem said Zayitnu. This is what they should give. Now the word Zeh, we learned it already by the Shira, but when you went through the Yamsuf, is pointing with your finger. Zeh means you're indicating something very clearly. So the Metrash says Moshe Rabbeinu had a hard time understanding the Machzor Sashekel. So Hashem showed him a fiery coin. Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu a coin of fire. And umishkala, and its weight was, was a half a shekel. And Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is what you should give. So what does it mean? What is the deeper meaning? The deeper meaning of what Hashem was introducing now to Moshe Rabbeinu was that it's not just it's not it's it's not the the physical act of the giving of tzedakah that's awesome but there is something extraordinary taking place when you're giving the tzedakah and that is madbeya shel esh zayitnu this is what you're giving what Hashem was showing Moshe Rabbeinu is that the what you are giving is actually a, 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 a physical coin, but it's a coin of fire. Simply, what does that mean? The spiritual, godly fire that is at the core of every Yid's Neshama, of every Jew's soul, which expresses itself 
in a fiery passion and a desire to do God's mitzvah. That the mitzvahs are being done fervently, with excitement, with passion, with drive, with energy. That fire is being transmitted into the coin and that that metal coin is suddenly metamorphosized and actually becomes a coin of fire. And that's why Hashem is saying, Zayitno. This is what you should give. It's not that there is a fire in the Jew's neshama in his soul. And that's an inspiration to give the coin. You don't realize it. When you're giving tzedakah properly, you're actually exchanging fire, not ordinary fire, godly fire, neshama, pure soul. The nefesh alikis is a chelik alikaim imau, ki Hashem alikecho eish oich lohu, neir Hashem nishmas adam, the soul of man is a flame of God. The Abishter is compared to a fire. It's that spiritual godly fire that metamorphosizes into that coin or over, overpowers the physical coin and now it's a different coin. It's a, it's a coin of fire. This kind of a giving where the coin is a coin of fire, that's the chiddush. That's the novelty. Okay. So you might be thinking, okay, so what is the inspiration now? That you shouldn't just do mitzvahs, but you should do mitzvahs with passion. And when you do mitzvahs with passion and with fire and you really want to do it, that's the novelty. Much, much deeper than that. Endlessly deeper than that. So let's take a look deeper into this idea. You see, the concept of a fiery coin is an inherent contradiction. So when we take a look at the properties of fire, or we can rather say the lack of properties of fire, is that fire is a is is a is a unique it's a unique entity. Fire is the one entity that doesn't have a form. Every other physical object, an entity has a form. Obviously, in any 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 material object, uh, let's say there are four 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 elements. Let's talk about the four elements. There is the the, the earth, the mineral, there's the vegetation. There's animal. No, I'm sorry, no. That, those are the four types of creatures that there are. There is domain, the, the inanimate. No, not domain. Afar, sorry. There is earth. There is ruach. There is wind. There is mayim. There is water. Well, that's from the lowest to the highest, it's dirt, water, wind, and finally fire. So earth, dirt, earth definitely has a shape. Whether it's a stone, whether it's a grain of sand, it has a shape. Now water, you might argue, is also shapeless because the water is always flowing so it doesn't have a defined shape. It's always changing its shape. But you could contain the water. If you put water into a cup, then the water is shaped in the shape of the cup. So you can find the water and give the water a shape. You can freeze the water and then it, you can take it out of the cup and it will remain in the shape. But even if you don't freeze the water... The water is now shaped in the shape of the cup. Not permanently, but right now, it's in the shape of the cup. Or if the water is in the shape in a bottle, it's shaped in the bottle. And if the bottle goes round like this, then the water is round like that. Air is already a far more refined substance. And more, you can say, closer to the spirit. But air also is 
containable, shapeable. If you fill up a balloon with air, even though you can't really see it, but the air is in the shape, it fills the inside of the balloon, and it's in the shape of that entire space. The inner cavity or space in the balloon is the shape of the air, and the same as air in a tire, or in a swimming tube, or whatever it is. It fills, and that's its shape. If we can see the air, we would see it in that shape. Fire, even if you put it inside a cup, or inside anything, the fire is dancing and jumping and it is shapeless because every second it's a different shape. It does not have a set, definable shape. And that is unique about fire. Now, for one, and that's the only, the only element we know that that, do, that, that, that is shapeless. It's physical, physical fire. You can see the fire. And right, you can get burnt by it. But at the same time, it does not get a fixed sura. It doesn't get itself a shape. It always remains beyond a definitive shape and form. A madbeya, a coin, is made up of what? Of material. Of what? Of, uh, of the earth. Metallic material, which is of the mineral of the earth. Metal is, has a shape. However, the, the, the piece of metal is. There's different kinds of metal, but the metal has a shape. And its shape is rigid and set, and it doesn't change. It actually takes a lot of work to change the shape of the metal. When it comes to a coin, the shape is even more important. Because what makes the fine, what makes a coin different than just a regular piece of metal? What makes a nickel a nickel, a dime a dime, and a quarter a quarter? Is that each? It's the size. It's the shape. You can tell immediately when you put something, when you put your hand in your pocket, by feeling the shape. You can immediately feel it. Plus, there is an image on it, and the image is a very fixed, defined, specified image. And that's really the whole value of a coin: is the image that's on it. The Gemara talks about the tsura that has to be on a coin, whoever the king is, or whoever the president is, and so on and so forth. That gave the coin its 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 legitimacy. Now, to have a fiery coin, you realize the, the contradiction. You're talking about something inherently that's shapeless and non-defined, and yet that fire that's undefined is a coin, is specified. That's number one. But add more than that. Rashi says that the coin that Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu, which is this metal coin, Rashi said it had a weight, umishkola, and its weight, it weighed a half a shekel. So hold it, now you have to stop. So you say, see, fire is the one entity that's weightless. There's no weight to fire. That's why fire defies gravity. Fire is always going up. Unless, unless there's something holding it down, it's burning on something, the fire disappears. It's going upward fire. All the other elements go down. Earth for sure goes down. And why does it go down? It's heavy. It's impacted by the gravitational pull due to its heaviness. Um, water also goes from a high place to a low place. Air kind of moves around. It can go up, it can go down. But it kind of stays put 
here in the atmosphere. Because air also has a certain element of weight. Fire being the lightest of all, of all entities, it's beyond weight. And not, what does it mean it's beyond weight? It's beyond, it's beyond having a presence of self. The weight of something means it's lowering itself down into beingness. Fire acts the, the opposite. Fire is always striving. Not only is the fire not, doesn't have a weight, and it's kind of like, you know, you can push it around without any... It's going up. The meaning of the fire going up, meaning the fire is escaping a specified, defined beingness and selfhood. The fire melts into non-beingness. Or a striving constantly to non-beingness. So the two things, the shapelessness of the fire is that it doesn't have a specified state of being. And its weightlessness, and its, which is expressed, and not only its weightless, it's the opposite of weight. Escaping the, the, the beingness into non-beingness. And as expressed also in the shapelessness of fire, it has no identity because it doesn't want to be anything. It recognizes, I mean obviously it's embedded in the nature of fire, that it wants to be not. It wants to be outside of beingness. And the contradiction of that is the physical, the material. What's the total opposite of that? The material. In the material itself, from all... Water is not so dense of... Wind is definitely not so dense of being. It has a beingness. Water also has a being, has a little more beingness, a little, a little more of substance. And earth is the ultimate geshem. It's the ultimate substance of self, of somethingness. Especially metal is not only in the earth, it's below the earth, deep in the earth. So when you're taking fire, and spiritually we know that the four elements correspond to the four worlds. So earth represents, corresponds to Olam Asiya, the most dense, concrete stuff of existence. Um, fire represents, fire is, corresponds, corresponds to Olam Asilos, the world of emanation. And here you have the two coming together. Madabeyor Shalesh. A, a coin of fire. It's, it, it, it doesn't work. If it's fire, it's beyond definition. How can it be a coin? And that's the whole chiddush, that's the whole novelty that the Eberster is introducing over here. The Eberster is introducing to the Jewish experience an experience of fire and that that undefined light, non-beingness of fire expresses itself in a defined set, tangible, touchable, definitive being, entity. And it's both at the same time. So what's the spiritual meaning behind that? 
What's the definition of, of what this means? And what does it mean in the service, in the service of the Jew? In our life, what's its, what's its deeper significance? When we're talking about giving tzedakah, there, is, there are many levels of motivation, of inspiration that can drive the giving of the tzedakah. And again, from tzedakah, well, let's translate to all mitzvahs, but let's start with tzedakah. There's different motivations and different inspiration that can be the driving force that a person is giving tzedakah. Um, however, all the givings of the tzedakah that, that, that we find, every, every kind of motivation, they share something in common, and that they, they, they express a certain identity. You're giving the tzedakah, and that giving of tzedakah has a certain shape and form that make up the, the, the parameters of this givingness, of this charitable act. What the Eberster is introducing in Parshas Kisisa is a type of giving of tzedakah where there are no boundaries and no limitations and, no def- and nothing that can define that act. That act defies all definition and all it's the ultimate limitlessness entity and therefore it's infinite but the uniqueness of it is that to be in this state in Judaism is not to be in a hallucinating, uh, otherworldly, out-of-body, selfless experience somewhere after fasting 40 days and 40 nights with deep meditation, you reach this selflessness, enlightened state. No, 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 no. This is the nature. This is the nature of your being of your physical, earthy, tangible body that is everyday present and everyday definitive life, whether it's your kitchen, your office, socializing with people, being completely present and defined with all the features that make you who you are, and at the same time, you are your givingness and your charitableness, which as we're going to see soon is... Is 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 is, is uh, your life has no definition. So let's let 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 let's explain that. See what is the motivation to give tzedakah? You can give tzedakah on the simplest of levels. You can give tzedakah out of an emotional feeling. Many people give many people give charity. Anybody person with a soft heart. If you're driving and. Uh, you know, you stop and someone is hanging, walking around with a sign hanging around their shoulders. And, you know, generally, whatever, you don't think it's good for traffic, you don't think it's good for the city to have panhandlers stopping people in traffic, but you look at this person and you really, it touches your heart. And it really, really hurts. You open your window and you give them five bucks. Or whatever. So what happened? It's your, your, your natural feeling of compassion was moved, and that's why you're giving the tzedakah. 
That means the giving of the tzedakah is an expression of the nature of your emotion. The nature of your emotion called for this compassion. And it's almost like if it's a situation that's really, 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 really compelling, you almost can't resist giving. You have to give. Because, because the situation is, 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 is your, 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 your nature in this situation is demanding of you to give. And that's why you're giving the tzedakah. It's a good, generally, to be charitable and be giving is a good character trait. But it's still a specific trait. It's a trait of who, of, of who you are. It's a definitive trait. And as we said earlier, animals also have that. And they don't have it as sophisticated and as developed and as strong as humans. And humans, a human soul has more and stronger, but okay. A person can give not out of an emotion, a person can also give a higher form of giving. It's more of an intellectual conviction. You recognize and appreciate and understand that the world cannot exist. And for a healthy society to exist, those that are more fortunate need to help those that are less fortunate. That's the way it is. It will always be that way. There will always be rich and poor. There will always be people that need help. And therefore, it's only right that if a person, you were given uh, a greater lot in, in, of, of the bounty of life and of the goodness, you share it with others. Not in the way that the government has to take it to you, but you feel that that's only menschlich, right, caring, and correct. And for a society to operate, it needs to be that way. So there's nothing religious about it. It's just a, a conviction in your, in, of, of your logic and of your mind. So it's a, I don't know if you can say without religion... A moral conviction. I don't know what kind of morality it is without without a religious space to it, but at least uh, you can say a logical moral uh, um, um, uh, correct way of living because this is the way the world can run. And you, and in a sense, you can even have a little of a sense of you know you never know when you'll be in that place and will need the favor of someone else. So we all appreciate that we need to come on to each other. We're fellow human beings on the planet. We have to give a helping hand one to each other. And we are sometimes the givers, sometimes we're the recipients. So that too is what? It's, uh, it's uh, definitive. There is a conviction of my mind. That's what my, my mind recognizes as the right thing to do. And therefore I give. So it's clearly that that kind of a giving has a, if you might say, a, a shape and a form. It's a reasonable giving in which logic dictates that you should give. And then there's a higher form of giving, more of a religious calling. It's a mitzvah to give tzedakah. God instructed us to give tzedakah. And therefore, why am I giving charity? Because I belong to this religious group, and part of my religion says, whether it's the Jewish faith, whether it's the Muslim faith, the Christian faith, and other faiths, all faiths have the mitzvah, so to speak, the conviction to give. Obviously in Judaism, it's, 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 it's in a higher form. First of all, even the natural impulse to give is, an, is unique. Has, it's, it's there in all of humanity, but it's extra strong by the Jewish people. As the Talmud tells us, the Jewish people have three qualities. And one of the, naturally, without doing anything, it's part of our makeup of our soul. We are bashful, we are charitable, and we're compassionate. 
Three things. Fine. But that's nothing to do with religious. In, in addition to that, it's a commandment to give tzedakah. In Judaism, it's a very, very, very important commandment. If they give, whether tithing, give uh, uh, or, 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 or 20%, a fifth of one's per, per, uh, thing you give. Now, but even in the religious obligation, um, in the religious, in the religious conviction to give, there can be various different levels in how. What's your motivation in the fulfillment of the commandment? One can be motivated in their fulfillment of the commandment of giving from a more self-centered type of a religiosity. I'm giving because I'm a, obviously if I'm religious, I. I I believe in God. And if I know that God has given me plenty with the intention of something, it could be that I'm simply afraid that if I am not using my, my blessings the way God had, would like me to do so, He's going to take it away from me. So the mere fear that I'm, just the, the, the fear that I have, the fear of punishment, or God can take away other blessings that I have if I'm not a giver. So obviously that kind of a giving is self-motivated. It takes God into consideration. So it's defined by me caring about myself. And when I say um, that all these things are, are, are defined, we'll soon see they means that the giving itself has a limitation. All these motivations, because it's coming from something specific that's within me, the nature of what? The nature of my natural heart, human natural chemistry of my soul, of my natural soul, or the convictions of my mind, or a religious because a commandment by God, and I'm afraid to, to not listen to God. All these things have a limitation, as we're soon going to see. Now, take it as. Now, or it can be, I am motivated because. I want reward. It's not I'm afraid, not out of fear, out of love. And what's the love? Meaning I want to be, you know, I, I believe that I'll be connected to God. God has a lot of reward to give. So the more I give, the richer I will become. There's something like that in Torah. Give so that you'll, you'll give. A lot of people do that. I hear that all the time. I know that by giving, I open up the challenge to have more. So ultimately, why are you giving? You're giving for yourself. Okay, not bad. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good thing. And you recognize Hashem is the source of your success. And you want God as your partner in your, in your business? Give so that you will have more. Ask, oh. So that's for reward. Now there's a person that has, is a deeper human being. Material reward and to, to serve God's commandment for a material reward is in their mind gross. They can't, they can't live with that. So instead, they're more of a spiritual seeker. They're serving God and giving of their own hard work money to satisfy Hashem's desire that they should give tzedakah to fulfill God's commandment. But what do I want? I want a spiritual reward. I understand that this world is only a, an entranceway to a world of bliss and ecstasy. And let's say the bliss and ecstasy is not coarse like, you know, some religions believe, talking about, you know, all the stuff that they talk about, what is the Olam Abba? Well, what, what Rambam tells us. That when in the Olam is a time when Sadiqim sit and they delight in closeness with of God. That they sit in Gan Eden and they're illuminated with tremendous 
understanding and appreciation of God's truth, and that gives them such enormous pleasure. So that's the motivation. Now, this is a very far more refined kind of a... A yid is doing simply, he's doing his mitzvahs because he wants olam haba. So you want something in return. It's ulterior motive. It's a very refined ulterior motive. Ulterior motive. Let's go deeper than that. How about if a person is not interested in reward? He's doing the mitzvah. Why is he doing the mitzvah? He's doing the mitzvah and he's giving tzedakah, which is considered the mitzvah of all mitzvahs. And why are you giving the tzedakah? You're giving the tzedakah because you want to serve Hashem's interests. You appreciate God so much. And to you, it's the biggest honor to be a servant of God. If you can be a servant of Hashem, there's nothing more. I don't need any reward. Even more. I'm actually doing it on the condition that you won't. Like sometimes I have people that give tzedakah to and and they're giving it on the condition that you don't mention my name. And imagine if someone does that with God. I'm giving you to, that you'll never recognize me. I don't want recognition. I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm doing you a favor. To me, it's the biggest honor to serve you. That itself is my reward. Oh, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is like the most selfless. Here one is giving, and there's no, in a sense you can say, no definition to that kind of a giving, because you're not, it's not about yourself. It's nothing to do with your identity. Ah, so here, let's for one moment... Yes. It's not based on your natural, physical, animalistic identity that seeks personal gain and pleasure. But it is based on an identity. What identity? The identity of your of your beautiful neshama. You have a neshama and the purest neshama I'm your servant. Whatever you want, God. My identity is that I'm your servant. And therefore, if you need something and want something, you can call on me. Please call on me. It's my greatest honor just to see you smile, Hashem. That's my pleasure and that's my delight. Is that an action beyond any definition? Can we say that there's nothing defining this act? There is, a, there is a very definitive thing. There is an ashama That's a devoted servant. What's motivating my tzedakah is a reason. A specific reason. It serves me to give the tzedakah. How does it serve me? It actualizes my desire to be a servant. My identity is that I'm your servant. In a sense, just like the person who gives the tzedakah, and uh, they gave it to Daka because they're emotionally moved by the plight of this individual and they want to help them. So the giving of the tzedakah serves their own need to, to lighten the pain that they're feeling right now that the other person is, is miserable. So yeah, you're taking care of the other, but you're serving your need. The, for, a, for a logical um, um, person, a person that operates and all their actions is very mind-based. They like doing what their mind convinces them as, as right and wrong, and that's how they live their life. That's a quality, to live not based on emotion, but to live based on, on logic. But here too, it's a conviction. There is a conviction of their mind, you have to give tzedakah right now. 
And if they don't do it, they can't sleep at night because they did not live in accordance to how they see themselves as a human being who lives their lives based on logic. A religious person. So definitely the people who are being religious because of ulterior motive to get something. So over here, okay, of course that giving of tzedakah is serving their own personal interest, either of not being punished, either of being uh, of, of getting physical reward by Hashem. And, and again, for a religious person, not executing their religious obligations would mean that what? That they're, uh, they're missing out on amazing, amazing opportunities. So they have to give tzedakah based on who they are and what they are. So there's a very specific shape and form to that tzedakah of it's, it is a derivative of a certain nature. It's your nature of your religious, religious definition. Or the nature, and, or someone who wants olam abba, they, they need to give the tzedakah to have olam abba. But even in the most sublime level where I don't want any reward, ah, oh, but for this person, they have to give the tzedakah. Why do they have to give the tzedakah? Because or else they're not being who they truly are. And what am I truly? I'm truly a servant of God. And therefore, what does a servant of God do? Whatever God wants him to do. That's, so again, what's compelling me to give the tzedakah? I want to be a servant of the Yebishter. So again, there is a definition. There is something that's motivating, something specific that's pushing their tzedakah. In other words, we can say like this, there is a reason for the tzedakah. Everybody's got a reason. And whenever there is a reason, and when I say a reason, we mean a reason other than the tzedakah itself. A reason outside of the tzedakah that's generating the tzedakah. And when there is a reason outside of the tzedakah other than tzedakah itself generating the tzedakah, it puts a certain limitation on that tzedakah because I will give the tzedakah as long as it serves this reason. So let's go through the various things and see how limited it is. If I give tzedakah out of my human, human out, of, out of my out of an emotional feeling that I it's my it's my character, I can't see someone suffering. Okay, so what happens if I, if that 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 beggar insulted me last week and I'm just upset at him and he I gave him something and therefore right now I feel cruel towards them, I will skip on them, I won't give them the tzedakah. Or what happens if, you know, usually poor people, they evoke compassion. But this person is so ugly looking and so filthy and so dirty that I can't even look at them. I can't even have compassion. So obviously I'll turn away and I'm not going to make pretend I don't see them. I'm driving in the car. I pretend I don't see this person. Even though I generally open up the window and I do help them. But now I won't help them because, no, I'm not going to do this. Logically, if I'm giving tzedakah because of logic. So first of all, I can say that the panhandler is not good, whatever. Now it's not, it's not good for society. This is not a good way to give. I'm not going to give in this case. Or we can say, in the non-giving of, or, 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 a person can come to a logic and say, you know what, I've done my share. I've given enough. I feel I have to contribute, I've given enough. Or, you know what, that person should go get a job. And therefore they shouldn't get, again, you see, it's, it's, logically I have to give, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very specific in my giving. Next, the person who's giving tzedakah, it's a godly thing. Also, oh, these, these, uh, ideas that we spoke about earlier make a difference. Make if the person is ugly or the person is not ugly, it make, make a difference if they should get a job or not. If God commanded to give, I have to give. Uh, but how about if 
I feel that I've fulfilled already God's, God said give a tenth. Up to a mice. I've done it already. I'm, I'm free. I'm free that I'm not going to be punished. I'm free that I'm going to get reward. Let's say I feel I get so much a duck already that I'm for sure getting such a big portion of I can't even have anymore. Like what, what, what else can God give me already after all the tzedakah that I've given? And Olam Haba, I've already, oh, I've already gotten myself a good, good, I, I know, let's say you did something, a super good mitzvah, that for that you know, wow, the Olam Haba for that is going to be unbelievable. You have enough, satisfied. I'm not seeking all. Today, maybe tomorrow I want. Today I had enough Olam Haba. There is a definition. And how about even the person who's giving tzedakah just because it's Hashem's desire? And therefore I do it because I'm a servant of you, Hashem, and therefore I give the tzedakah. And through giving tzedakah, I become your servant, or I'm actualizing the servitude to Hashem. That too has a limitation. When does God command you to give tzedakah? When a poor man shows up. If the poor man doesn't show up and there's no command to give tzedakah, I don't have a burn that I must give tzedakah right now. Because the tzedakah that I'm giving is something, it's not just the giving, there's something else mixed in over here. And whenever there is some kind of a because to the giving, it limits that. Now let's go one step deeper. So what's the highest form of giving? What's the deepest form of tzedakah that there isn't a possible to give? Is when you give tzedakah for no reason at all. There's no because. You're giving tzedakah just because. You say, wow, is that bigger even than giving tzedakah because Hashem said? But let me explain where is it coming from and why is it infinite and what? So the meaning over here is as follows. To say that there's no reason at all. So, so, so what are you doing? Everything has to be motivated by something. No, no reason at all. Why does Hashem give tzedakah? We know that all the mitzvahs that, that we have, God does these mitzvahs. When Hashem does mitzvahs, What's his motivation? Let's talk about tzedakah. Hashem is always giving tzedakah. He's creating the worlds. He's sustaining them, creating them, imbuing them with life. Why is the Abishter giving tzedakah? You say because it's his, it's his, it's his character. Obviously you can't say that on God because then you're giving him a definition. Even though we say Hashem rachum v'chanon, that's already after God contracts himself to have certain... Uh, characteristics in relationship to us, but in Hashem's essence, He's not defined by anything. Does Hashem have a logical conviction that He has to give to Tzedakah? What would have been wrong if He never created the world? Is there a logical conviction that He has to create the world and, and, and make? There's no logic for that. But much deeper than that, to say that God is compelled by something let it be any kind of a thing, you can't say that about Hashem. Hashem is, and He is absolute, and there's nothing that, nothing that He is bound by and defining Him. So when Hashem decides to do the mitzvah of tzedakah, by Hashem it's purely, purely, purely out of his own volition because this is what he wants to do without any reason just, just this. there's no reason other than tzedakah 
Since there's nothing, and, and, that, and that's coming from who? It's coming from His very being. So if Hashem's very being is absolute and undefined and unspecified, fire that doesn't have any definition, any specification, any, 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 any shape, form, or anything, that's the Abishter himself, where we say, Hashem we compare the Abishter, we compare God to fire, undefined and unspecified. So his tzedakah that he's giving is, a, is, 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 is fire. Meaning to say, it's just, it's, 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 it's him. It's, it's who he is. Not even that he doesn't have to. He's, 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 he is. It's so hard to speak in such abstract uh, state. It's not that he, this is his shape. This is his, this is where he is. He's choosing, choosing himself. He's choosing this channel of tzedakah. Then the tzedakah that he is, the, the energy of that tzedakah, the giving of that tzedakah, is his very being. And not that he has to be this way, because once he has to be, then he's defined, and he's defined, it's already not, it's not, it's not infinite. The Eibishter tzedakah is absolute, has knows no limit, just like he knows no limit. It's everywhere and in everything and all the time. It defies time, defies space, but it permeates all of time and all of space and in everything. It's ain't sof, just like he is ain't sof. And it has nothing other than outside of the tzedakah. It's he and his mitzvah totally one. And here's the crazy thing. The Eibishter has given us the ability to give tzedakah like he gives tzedakah. In other words, the Abish, and that's what Parshish Kisisa is. The Abish there is giving us the ability to give tzedakah for no reason at all, just from our essence, or deeper than that. Because a Jew has an intrinsic bond, and a Jew is totally one with God, in his essence, a Jew is one with the essence of Hashem. Every single one of us at our core is one with that transcendental essence, undefined being of God that chooses to give tzedakah. It is for that reason that we give tzedakah. And not even, that's wrong to say, it's not for the reason. It's not giving, we're not even using that as a reason, because if there's a reason, why am I giving tzedakah? Because I'm one with Hashem, and Hashem gives tzedakah, that's why I give tzedakah. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's, it's as if it happens... It's not even a, it's, it's not like uh, there is some, it happens spontaneously, automatically. Not as a reason. As a reason means, okay, I'm, 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 there, there, is, there, is, there is now a trigger that's triggering. There's nothing triggering. A Jew is tzedakah. At his essence, Abish there is tzedakah. The Jew is tzedakah, but it's not a definitive. And it's not, it's not because... I want, I don't want anything. It's not beyond being anything. It's not, it's not I want. There's no want. It just is. Similar to the idea, I'm just going to give you a similar idea. The Talmud seems to say something like, um, what's the word for it? Um, when you say, um, Oh, whatever. Um, pathetic. The Talmud says that, that when people daven, the Gemara says you have to thank your legs, you have to thank your body for the body going through the motions. You bow, you, 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 when it comes to modem, you bow on your own. Right? You bow down, modem. Your knees know to bow when you get there. 
So generally, the Gemara is saying like a statement uh, to say like, you know, look, come on, be conscious of what you're doing. Don't not be conscious. But Hasidus is so deep, and Hasidus says that there's something very deep about your body doing a mitzvah, not consciously, not with, without any trigger. It, it's just because, because you have a Jewish body that does its... Now you're going to say, of course, if you take a Jewish body and you don't, and you don't give him a regimen of davening three times a day, he won't bow down by modem. I know that. But there's something much deeper. The neshama bows by modem. Why? On the deepest level, not because of it wants anything, it's just... It's, it's, it happens. That's that. It happens. Tzedakah happens to a Jew. Why does the tzedakah happen to a Jew? In its purest, deepest, highest place? For no reason at all. Imagine, and that, and, 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 this, and this, this MS, this truth, you realize this is the highest way of doing mitzvahs. This is going to be the observance of mitzvahs when Mashiach comes, when we're going to do kemitzvahs ritzonecha. We're going to do the, same, the mitzvahs like God does the mitzvahs. Every mitzvah is going to be an intrinsic flow of who we are. And again, not there is a something, the essence of the mitzvah is like a total free choice, but it's an expression of being as we are totally one with God's being. But why is it, if it's by all mitzvahs, why, why does it start with tzedakah? Because the very definition, if we can say definition, because the very um, meaning of tzedakah is that you're... Tzedakah means I don't owe you anything, I'm giving you. So the... So the... the, the if, you owe, if you owe to... If you go to the grocery and you, and you took product and you pay the grocery, you can't say I'm giving tzedakah. Because tzedakah is only what you're not obligated. You're obligated in general to give tzedakah, but you're not obligated to give... That's the meaning of tzedakah. So let's take this idea to the extreme. What does it mean, the purest, purest tzedakah? Tzedakah as it is in its ultimate, ultimate, purest state, means that there's no compulsion at all. It's a very deep idea. No compulsion. What's the difference if I'm compelled because you say, you know, you, you, blow, you borrowed money from me, pay me back. So I'm compelled to give you. Well, what happens if you're, so, you're, you're, you're nebuch suffering and I have so much mercy on you, you're forcing me to give you the money because when I look at you, I can't, I can't, I, I have to give. Or if I'm giving it because of, as we spoke earlier, because my logic dictates that I give, because it's only right and correct to give. So again, I have to give. So it's not, it's not I don't mean it's, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of tzedakah. You definitely have, but it's not tzedakah in its purest, purest form. Or if I have to give because of religion, and even if I have to give because God commanded me to give the tzedakah, because I'm doing it as, a, as, a, as, a, as in a religious duties that I'm giving my tzedakah. So in that kind of a giving where I'm giving me religiously, here too I'm compelled. I'm compelled by the mitzvah. So the truest giving of tzedakah is when there's nothing compelling at all. What kind of giving is that? It's that we might call it godly, essential, essential instinctive. I'm using instinctive because it's, it, it's, it's who you are. Giving non not triggered by anything other than just giving the tzedakah itself. 
There's no reason just because. And when we, when we are in a state of this kind of a giving, which means total fusion with God, see, the difference of, being a, of, of doing mitzvahs because you want to do the mitzvahs, you want to follow God's commandment, means that you write, retain an identity of self and you want to be God's servant. There is still a want. You want to, be, to have something. But this type of unity that we're talking about over here is fusion. It's not, it's, not, it's not even a connection. It's total fusion. It's total oneness. There's only one entity. There's the Abishter and the sense that Jews and God voluntarily chooses tzedakah. So in that sense, and we are Him, and therefore we voluntarily are, we are within this voluntary choice. And we choose this as well in our giving of tzedakah. And this kind of giving of tzedakah is limitless because there's nothing to define it. There's nothing to, there's nothing to limit it where I can say, oh, I, I need the tzedakah for something else. I don't need it for anything, it's just this. And therefore, it's every second of your life. How can you give tzedakah every second in your life? So the Rebbe says an interesting thing. He says, if you have a poor man next to you, of course, you're, you don't wait to them to come. You're running and looking for the poor people to give them tzedakah. You're always on the look for tzedakah. But you don't only do tzedakah physically. You're always... The idea of tzedakah means I need to give. So sometimes you're next to someone or you can give them spiritual. You can give them a thought. You can give them an idea. You have to give. You always have to give. Something you can contribute. Something you want to give. And you have to give. Why do you have to give? Because this is your choice at your deepest point to give endlessly, to give ain't self. And if you don't have people around you, you can still do tzedakah with an object. If you use an object according for a good purpose, you can do, a, you can do tzedakah with, 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 uh, with anything. With food. When you eat food and you make a bracha on it, you're giving tzedakah for the food. You're elevating. Using a chair, you're doing tzedakah with your chair. You need to be a contributor. You need to be enhancing constantly. Giving... All, all the time, 24-7, all the time, it's a limitless giving. There's never a cap on it. Because remember, it's like Hashem's giving, who's without any limitation. He gives. It's, it's who He is. And Yid and the Abish are one. And this is the Aish. But here is the Chiddush over here. The Abish is saying that that Aish, that undefinable non-beingness, until you don't get to this point, you can't call it fire. You can't call it fire because it's not, it has a shape. This is the beyond shape. There's no, there's no existence here. There's no being. Transcending all definition. And precisely because of that, there is no limitation. And now, the Chiddush over here is the novelty. That you do this, not as a as a soul that escapes the body into some transcendental state of withdrawal from anything that defines us, and we move into this otherworldly, above uh, godly ecstasy experience to the point that we melt, our souls melt into God. No, that's not what it is. You do it as a madbeya. Madbeya means also teva. This is your nature. Your nature of who? Your nature of who you are becomes your nature. Your nature becomes this being that is limitless. And that's your nature. Your nature of who? Of the shape and form of your body, of your being, 
of who you are with all your personality and all your definition, but your drive, your underlying drive, is this that you are one with Hashem and are choosing the 613 mitzvahs, and particularly you're choosing tzedakah completely voluntarily, but because it's so essential, it's always, and you always make that choice from a total free place. And it's like Hashem chooses. It is not like Hashem. It is Hashem's choice, which is your choice, because at this point you and God are one. This is much higher than all the Nasev and Ishmas and all, all the acceptance of Torah and mitzvahs that we did in Parshas Truma, Tetzaveh. Because all those places, you, a person could, their motivation, and, and it, even when you're saying Nasev and Ishma, we will do when we will hear, means my submission to God because I want to be a totally servant of God. I am your servant. But being a servant is also a definition. It serves my need or my desire or my appreciation to be a servant. To do the mitzvah. Now it's not serving anything. It's just the mitzvah itself. And yet this is who I am. If you think about this, this is the ultimate experience of Moshiach. That God desires to have a home in this world. It means God's essence is revealed in our world. How is he revealed in our world? Beginning with each and every one of us. He's living in this world because as a human being in a body, you are not... You are not this or that, you are Him. You are totally Him. Free as He is. And choosing, choosing tzedakah. And the Eberster's essence is expressed in you, in me, and all of us together. And God is here fully in this world. So what was so exciting? What did I get for Monday night? When I learned this, this talk, uh, I, 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 I just was not rapping. Obviously, you understand it's very abstract and hard to get. And I, with, my, with my blocked mind, I was, wasn't getting it. When I learned the Menei Saskar, he brings a medrash. This is the medrash that I forgot to mention earlier. I want to mention. Moshe says to God, it's a medrash tanchum. Bishani meis, when I die, ain't ani nisker. I'm not going to be mentioned anymore. I'm not going to be mentioned anymore. Hashem says to Moshe, Chayecha, I swear to you, just like you are standing now and giving them the parsha of Shkolim, you're lifting their head, so to every year when the Jewish people read before me, parsha Shkolim, you are standing there, you lift their heads. Hashem is promising Moshe, that what? That, you did, that just like the first time you lifted the Jewish people, so too, all periods of time, you're lifting, the, you're there by Parshas Kassisa, you're lifting their heads. So the B'nai Sasra explains, what does this mean? What is Moshe concerned that I'm not there? I'm, 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 he has to be there. What is he scared? That, that he's not going to be mentioned, he needs recognition. So the B'nai Sasra says, no, Moshe knows his effect on the Jewish people. Moshe's effect on the Jewish people is he brings the Jewish people to total devotion to God. He creates within the Jewish people the, 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 the Mesiris Nefesh, the ability to give yourself up to God. Total selfless devotion to Hashem. And he says that's the idea of Machzis HaShekel. Shekel is Gematria Nefesh. It's the same Gematria 430. It's the Gematria of Nefesh. Shekel. Half a Shekel represents the idea that a Jew gives himself, the other half of the Jew's Nefesh is Hashem, 
and then there's the nefesh of the Jew. Giving a machzah shekel means giving mesiris nefesh. Moshe Rabbeinu says, when I'm not going to be around, how are the Jewish people going to have mesiris nefesh? They won't be able to be devoted to you. So the Eberster says to Moshe, I swear to you that in every shul, when you read Parashash Golem, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to show up. These are the words he uses. Moshe Rabbeinu himself is going to show up in that shul, the spirit of Moshe. And he is the one, let me read it over here, and this is what got me so excited. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the one, Wherever they are, Nishmas Moshe Rabbeinu, he's the Das, and Das means connection, and he unifies us with the Eberster. Lelamdom, to teach them Das, knowledge, to cleave, to bond, with a powerful Dveikus. This is what the Bnei Sosu says, and this is why I jumped up and I said, Unbelievable! The tzicha, the talk that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave, and I've been talking about so much in the last few weeks, how there is a Moshe in every generation, specifically right before Mashiach comes, Moshe Rabbeinu himself comes back as the leader of the Jewish people. So I said, Gevald, whoever heard of a Yiddishkeit so deep? It's higher than, than every Mesir Snafish. It's even higher than I want something. I want to give my, I want to devote. It's beyond. You are. The Rebbe reveals something so deep over here that you and the Abish are total one, just like he is doing mitzvahs without any, any, any definition, just because you are also doing, because you are him. This is even beyond, beyond any kind of, and the Rebbe reveals it that every Jew can live that way. That you can live that way, I can live that way. Where mitzvahs are just our natural, instinctive, but it's really reflecting the nefesh of the Jew who's one with Hashem that chooses this voluntarily. Whoever heard of a deeper unity? So that is that Moshe Rabbeinu. That's there. That's what got me excited. Here you see Moshe Rabbeinu who's instructing the Jewish people, Lil Moedalam. Who has ever heard in all Sfarim, in all of Judaism, throughout all of history, until the generation of Mashiach, who ever heard such Torah? It's so deep and so high that it's hard, you can't, I'm having, it's hard even to, 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 to explain this. It's very hard to explain this. But again, it's not what I am saying. It's, it's the neshama that hopefully is being conveyed over here. It's that a yid and the abish there are one. This is the ultimate fusion of the machtas shekel. This is the ultimate lifting of the head of the Jewish people. Unbelievable. Kisis es is the highest level of Kisisa's Rosh. And the beautiful thing is, it's so deep, yet it's possible for every person to do it. Because when you go to a Jew and you ask him to do tefillin, and he rolls up his sleeve and he puts on tefillin, it's not because of any reason, it's just because. It's the ultimate expression. And when we can get ourselves into that, to drop, it's almost like, it's almost like the simple yidden on the street, we ask him to do a mitzvah. There you can see they're doing it instinctively. We almost need to like deprogram ourselves from schar and reward and religiosity and dveikus and all these. These are all very nice perks. But that's not the ultimate of Yiddishkeit. We're entering into a new phase. We're entering into Moshiach's world. The mitzvahs, mitzvahs are the ultimate truth, sheer truth of us and Hashem. And why do you do every mitzvah? Just because. No, no reason at all. May we merit. May we merit already this year to give machzus a shekel. May we merit already to begin living our Judaism in the deepest, highest, truest, godliest way possible. Let it be now. <laughs>
תשוקת הנשמה. ובכן... 